Welcome to Practicing Connection, a podcast exploring the personal stories and collective practices that empower us to work together to improve our resilience and readiness in a rapidly changing world. Here to start the conversation are Jessica Beckendorf and Bob Birch. Hello, everyone. It's so great to have you join us today. I'm Jessica Beckendorf. And I'm Bob Birch. In this episode, we're going to be talking about supporting military families with LGBTQ youth. And our guest today is Kathy Marcello. Kathy leads the Mill Pride program for the Modern Military Association of America, the nation's largest LGBTQ plus military and veteran nonprofit. Welcome to Practicing Connection, Kathy. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We're excited for our conversation today and to hear more about the work that you do. So why don't we start there? How did you personally kind of come to your work supporting LGBTQ military families? Well, the short version is that last year I completed a Hiring Our Heroes Military Spouse Fellowship at Modern Military and was lucky enough to be hired on as a program director after that internship. But the longer version and why I was interested in working at Modern Military is that for the past 13 years, I've quietly been advocating for transgender youth within the military system because 13 years ago, I became the parent of a transgender youth. Uh, I ended up finding myself in the role of full-time ally back then. Um, 13 years ago, I basically had to guide everyone we interacted with from friends, families, and neighbors to institutions like schools, doctors, TRICARE, the military in general, on best practices for transgender youth. Because in most cases, my child was the first transgender youth that those people were encountering. Fast forward 13 years, my child is all grown up. They're an adult and my spouse is retired. So I finally felt like it was the time to uh, work professionally in the advocacy world so that hopefully no other family would go through some of the challenges that we faced back then, and certainly so that they wouldn't be alone when they were going through it. I can imagine that you were, sounds like you were dealing with many challenges. And I'm wondering, um, I know probably every family is just a little bit different, but from your perspective and your experiences, what challenges um, are military families with LGBTQ youth facing? So I would start by saying that we all know that military kids in general don't have it easy, right? We're talking about frequent moves, new schools, long absences of a parent, worrying about your deployed parent when they're at war um, and when they're home often living through their PTSD. So there's a lot that military kids live with. Now, when we add in being an LGBTQ youth, we find that those factors are compounded. Um, Last year, the Trevor Project um, published the results of their national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health. And it was such a large study that they actually had a subset of military kids that they were able to get um, statistics on. And what they found out was that having a parent currently in the military 
was associated with a significantly higher risk of mental health challenges. So 17% higher odds of anxiety. And for those youth specifically under 18, that was 34% higher. 14% higher of considering suicide and a 40% higher risk of attempting suicide in the past year. So LGBTQ youth in the military are facing some significant mental health concerns. And what's going on there? So last year, there was an unprecedented 325 anti-LGBTQ laws proposed. Um, This year, just a couple weeks into the legislative session, we're at over 300. And 43% of active duty troops are stationed in those states. So the kids are seeing this, they're feeling those stressors, and their families are feeling those stressors. So when you have, think of a military family in general, and it's PCS season, and you're thinking about getting your orders, our families are thinking about, will my child have access to healthcare in that state? Will my child be able to play sports in that state? Will I be a child abuser in that state? Because they've introduced new laws that make supporting trans youth um, not legal. So is that going to jeopardize my security clearance? What happens if my child talks about having two moms in class? Is that going to be a problem? There's just a lot of stressors that other families might not be thinking about that our families kind of have to go through. And just for the sake of anyone who wouldn't know this, I just want to mention that, um, don't want to interrupt our flow, but the PCS is permanent change of station. Oh, sorry. I fall into that lingo so naturally. It's it's completely okay. (laughs) I just wanted to, I wanted to make sure we outlined that and I I really didn't want to interrupt our flow. Sorry about that. (laughs) I was just thinking about what you're saying, Kathy, and, you know, um, one of the things really whenever any of us are facing challenges and, um, you know, need to rely on our resilience that our communities are, our communities of support are really important and, you know, permanent change of station um, is, is a challenge. How did, how did your family deal with that or how was, how did that challenge sort of uh, come forward for you moving from place to place um, when you're having a, a child who's trying to go through transition? That is a great question. Um, actually, uh, in our case, um, my uh, husband was deployed um, in a combat zone. Um, you know how trauma bane works. I don't even know if it was Afghanistan or Iraq. I just know he was on a deployment. uh, And our child had, we we had finally identified there had been problems, there had been um, mental health concerns, and we had really just identified that, oh, our very young child is transgender. We had just gotten them in with a therapist and uh, It was getting near the end of my husband's deployment, and he was talking to Branch, 
Um, and Branch said, well, listen, can't help you. Everybody has their sob story. Uh, your family needs to move. And these are your options. And for us, those options were not great. Um, and so in our case, um, my husband ended up sacrificing his career. Um, and he he changed. Um, he changed what he was doing within the military. Um, so that we would have more amenable duty stations in the future. And also so that at that particular moment in time, we did not have to move. And we were able to stabilize our child for um, a few years so that they could um, finish this um, relationship with their therapist, you know, have those sessions, and then go through a transition at the school um, and make it work. And and so for us, uh, that was the best scenario for our family and um, was really beneficial. You know, I ended up with a happy, healthy, well-rounded, completely average child, like love them to death. Um, but uh, now in my work at Mill Pride, I'm seeing that um, families are still making those hard choices uh to this day you know are we going to separate for a year are we all going to move um can we afford to skip this duty station things like that how does mill pride help with those not not necessarily those specific challenges but just right. the challenges that military families with with lgbtq uh youth face well this is the this is the happy part of the story um we offer a online community of support. You know, I think everybody knows that military spouse hive mind knowledge. You know, if if you ask, uh, some military spouse is going to have an answer. And so the same is true when we focus down on the LGBTQ military community. So in our online community, you have unlimited access to all our communal knowledge of what's a great base, what's a good um, school, who's a really supportive doctor in that town, how long is the wait list at that clinic, you know, that kind of information. Um, but also, I'm always posting um, very LGBTQ-specific resources for families, and um, uh, we help them navigate um, some of the more complicated issues they face when dealing with um, EFMP or a compassionate reassignment or TRICARE. And we let them know what the policies are and how they can navigate them effectively. And EFMP is Exceptional Family Member Program. See, caught me with another an acronym. Sorry <laughs> another about that. Acronym. That's all right. We all have our acronyms in our various uh, jobs. It's so it's really interesting when it when it comes together. Uh, our work with One Up brought, you know, academia and and cooperative extension, which have all their acronyms together with with DoD and the military, and so we're used to the alphabet soup definitely here. Sometimes I make up my own words for the acronyms just to help me remem <laughs> remember what the acronyms are. So anyway, oh, and I forgot to mention, um, we just partnered with PFLAG. And PFLAG is an organization for friends, family members, and loved ones of LGBTQ people. And we partnered with them on their Community Connects program to create a military community support group. So it's a nationwide 
virtual support group exclusive to military families where they can share and find support and learn about being the parent of an LGBTQ child. And participants are vetted, so it's a safe and secure place for families. You can have your camera off if you want, you know, um, so that you feel comfortable sharing. And facilitators are trained military spouses or service members themselves there to help guide the meetings. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I, I let people know that's another resource we provide. That's awesome. You, you know, you've brought up a few of these examples already, but I think. Um, what is really interesting to me is where um, where we might be able to strengthen the support for military families with LGB- LGBTQ youth, um, both from the military service providers' point of, um, abilities to 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 support, and from civilians, right? Because um, you mentioned a couple of resources that you forward out to people um, that are um, available to families, but. Um, from your point of view, how can we strengthen support from kind of both of these areas um, on the military service provider side and on the civilian side? So the most important thing I want everyone listening to know is that um, the Trevor Project study found that having one supportive adult in an LGBTQ youth's life reduced suicides by 40%. So you, you sitting at home as an individual can impact every single person's life by just being kind, just being supportive. It it can happen on that one-on-one level. Like you can have an impact. And I just want everybody to know that like just being a kind, supportive person can actually make a difference. On a larger level, when we're talking about service providers, I would say, like, you know, knowing things like using preferred names and pronouns, not everybody's going to have their documents updated. So if you're working with an LGBTQ person, it's important to ask. And it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, it can be a casual conversation. Oh, you know, what name would you prefer? Things like that. Um, Having cultural competency about some of the terminology can make um, the person you're interacting with feel more comfortable. Understanding the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. They are not the same. Um, And focusing on health outcomes, not what's inside a person's pants. So I always like to use the emergency room example. And every LGBTQ person you um, interact with, if you ask them, tell me an emergency room story, they would tell you a time when they went to the doctor or the emergency room and the focus became about their sexual identity or their gender identity instead of the broken arm they were there for, you know, or the fever. Really didn't have anything to do with those other things, but it can become something that people um, fixate on when it's not necessarily um, the issue that they're there for. Uh, But that said, something else to think about is the health disparities associated with minority communities. And to remember that um, there can be different um, health disparities. And so to focus on certain things when you are working with LGBTQ people, it's a fine line. And um, 
I would obviously recommend the upcoming one-op webinar to know how to navigate that fine line. <laughs> I wonder if um, if we were to think about the ways um, that military service providers and non-military community um, members like educators, um, community leaders, you mentioned um, also like hospital, maybe people who work at hospitals, but are, are there ways that you see that we can work together with each other to further support? That's a great question. I would just say like making sure that um, you're being culturally competent when you're interacting with the LGBTQ community, being inclusive. Um, when it's um, Pride Month, you know, seeing a display um, can really make people feel welcome and then they know it's an inclusive environment. Um, I had a friend who was in um, stationed overseas, um, feeling alone, uh, and they walked into their library one day, and it was Trans Day of Visibility, and they thought no one on earth knew that besides them. And the local librarian had set up a display from adult books to children's books that were trans-inclusive, and it just, it, it stuck with them so much that they were telling me this story yesterday when I was speaking to them. So little things like that um, where uh, communities can show support can really make a big difference. Kathy, can you talk about some of the other resources that uh, Mil Modern Military Association of America has for families? Because we've talked about, we've talked about your the Mill Pride program, but I think there's a lot of other uh, resources that are offered, especially for LGBTQ plus military service members themselves. Can you share some of what yeah, the association works on? Yeah. So one of the first things is I would say to check out our quarterly magazine. It is award-winning. We've had an amazing editor there who puts together a great product. So you can find stories of service members doing their thing while also being LGBTQ and breaking barriers. And it's really great to see. We're going to have an upcoming issue where you'll be able to hear my story that I talk about um, and the challenges that we went through within the military. And so I would just uh, check out our magazine on our website. Next, we are about to republish our Freedom to Serve Guide. So after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, uh, people kind of didn't know, how can I be an out-service member and navigate being in the military where previously it was not allowed? So a previous iteration of Modern Military um, created the Freedom to Serve Guide, and it was a guide for LGBTQ service members that was a comprehensive overview of laws, policies, and practices relevant to their military service, practical information for how to navigate DOD. Laws changed, so we're about to um, publish an updated, the most updated version, and that's actually going to include things that apply to uh, LGBTQ family members, so not just the service members. So that's a really helpful resource. And then one of the other big things we do is reversing um, help uh, people with reversing don't ask, don't tell discharges. So people who were kicked out of the military under don't ask, don't tell, um, often those discharges were less than honorable. And so they don't have access to veterans benefits. They don't can't get a VA loan um, through no fault of their own. And so um, this happened to 
thousands of people and thousands of those people have not had their discharges upgraded. So helping them navigate that rather complicated system is uh, another resource we provide. That's awesome. I encourage all our listeners to uh, check out modernmilitary.org, I believe is the correct uh, URL. And we'll put that link on the on the show notes for this episode as well to uh, to take advantage of that. Kathy, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation, and I hope that uh, you will uh, be willing to come back sometime in the future and and we can get even deeper into some of these uh, challenges that that our families are facing and how uh, we can support them both as military service providers and as people in the community who care about each other. I appreciate it. I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, one thing I would add that we didn't get to is just that, you know, LGBTQ people and LGBTQ youth are not out to get you if you use the wrong pronouns. <laughs> They're not out to get you if you say LGBTQ and not LGBTQ plus or LGBTQIA or two-spirit LGBTQIA plus. Like, people are really just looking for... um a good effort and and acceptance and if you uh make a mistake it like it's okay people we want allies we uh we're very uh forgiving of things like that and um you know we just want everybody to be part of um our community and um you know we're very open and welcoming Thank you so much. We would love to have you back. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about supporting LGBTQ plus military families, please check out two upcoming webinars from OneOp. You can join the webinar, Providing Affirmative Care to the LGBTQ plus Military Community, live on May 4th, 2023. The webinar, Care Considerations for the Transgender and Gender Diverse Military Community, will take place on May 11th, 2023. Both webinars will be recorded and available on demand. Go to oneop.org slash events and search for LGBTQ to find the, these webinars and other resources. That's going to wrap up this episode of Practicing Connection. Thanks so much for joining us. You can keep up with Practicing Connection by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite podcast app or by signing up to be a part of the Practicing Connection community at oneop.org slash practicing dash connection. And by following us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at PracticingCXN. That's at PracticingCXN. Thanks so much again to our guest, our guest, Kathy Marcello, for joining us for this conversation. We'd also like to thank our announcer, Kaylin Goebel, Hannah Hyde, and Terry Meisenbach for their help with marketing, and Nathan Grimm, who composed and performed all of the music you hear on the podcast. Finally, thank you for joining us. We hope you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, keep practicing. The Practicing Connection podcast is a production of OneOp and is supported by the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Office of Military Family Readiness Policy, U.S. Department of Defense, under award number 2019 dash 48770 dash 30366.